Dr. Just put Dr. Banner. Dr. Banner. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies, where we watch a forgotten superhero movie and decide, does this belong in the Phantom Zone to be forgotten for forever or out and about for everyone to rewatch and remember fondly? I am your host. My name is Ronaldo, and I'm joined, as always, by Birdo. It's Birdo, everyone. (laughs) Cool. And Birdo, what movie are we watching today? We are watching The Incredible Hulk pilot from 1977. Correct. Uh, So there are five Hulk movies in The Incredible Hulk series. This is kind of a weird show in that not weird because it has a pilot movie, which a lot of these had. We've already already done a few. We've done so many already. (laughs) But because it has two back to back, like the second episode was also a two parter. Or it was a TV movie that was later split into two parts. It, yeah, they did. It was like the pilot and then Death in the Family. Death in the Family, right. Uh, which is like episodes two and three. Uh, and then <laughs> it picked up as a show. So they did a show for five seasons. Which is quite a long time. It was very successful. It's very. Yeah. That's like a very respectable like amount of seasons yeah. for a show. I think out of anything we've touched, this has been the most successful thing. Um, how did the like Linda Carter Wonder Woman do? Three seasons. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> this is five seasons, and then after the five seasons... Five seasons and three movies. Three movies, yeah. Oh, they beat Community. <laughs> yeah. That's six seasons and one movie. <laughs> yeah, this got five seasons and three movies. What's the exchange rate there between movies and seasons? I don't know. Are, do movies count more? They seem to. I'm Maybe still waiting like... on the Community movie. Right. <laughs> Uh, oh, that'd be so great if they did that. <laughs> yes. So the three movies were considered reunion movies because they didn't happen until six years after the show was canceled. So that is kind of like if Community made a movie t- today, basically. Yeah, and I'm sure people were like, holy shit, like, Hulk's they're, back. They're back, everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, that'd probably, that'd probably be really exciting, especially if, like, I mean, there were probably people who, like, grew up watching Hulk, like kids. And then they're yeah. like in college and like, oh shit, like they're coming back to do Hulk. Oh, I got to tune into NBC, CBS, CBS ABC, whatever network this aired on. Yeah. So the three movies are called The Incredible Hulk Returns. And each one of these movies was supposed to have a guest star. Sort of. I mean, like, we were just talking about this off air. <laughs> or was it on air? I don't remember. I'm tired. Uh, um, it was off air. Yeah. All of these episodes had guest stars because. This pilot happens, right? But then after this, is kind of like Hulk goes on the road for three seasons, and he encounters different people along his travels. And sometimes he gets angry. Yeah, often. Usually once an episode, right? Once an episode, he gets upset. <laughs> at, at minimum. <laughs> um, so there's not really much of a recurring cast. There's a lot of guest stars in this. So for the movies at the end, the guest stars were other Marvel superheroes as a way of kind of doing a backdoor pilot. For maybe a new show. Uh, and none of those shows got picked up. So the first movie is called The Incredible Hulk Returns. That guest stars Thor. Okay. So if you've ever seen. There's a picture of Thor and Hulk together. Side by side. From yep. the 70s. Or really from the 80s. That's this. <laughs> Not this one that we're doing today. But that's in, that's the third it's, movie. It's in this series. Same yeah. continuity. All of this Yeah too. of course. Yeah. And by the way. If you've seen uh, the Thor Love and Thunder trailer he wears that same outfit that yeah. the thor from the movie that we're gonna watch two movies from now was wearing <laughs> one of the reasons why we're doing this is so that that lines up the thor movie is gonna line up with 
uh, Love and Thunder. Because uh, this is his only appearance in live action. The fourth movie is called The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. That guest stars Daredevil. I wonder if he's... Uh, the lawyer. The lawyer. Yeah. In the trial. In the trial. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently in that movie, and I know nothing about it, they're trying to take down Kingpin, which is why Daredevil gets involved. Oh. And I've seen images of that. He's wearing like his uh, black ninja looking yes. suit. Yes. Like yeah. from the fucking movie, uh, TV shows. <laughs> or the TV show. I mean, in the comics for, for a little bit, he wears black. Yeah. But... It's very similar. <laughs> he also wears yellow for a little bit in the comics, too. Yeah, so it's, it's gross. It's it's very... It pops too much in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last one is called The Death of the Incredible Hulk. That one doesn't have another Marvel character in it, but it was going to feature She-Hulk. Hmm. And we don't know why that was cut from that movie, but I'm sure we'll get to it when we get to it. And... A She-Hulk show is about to come out. Yeah, and so it kind of sucks that we're going to cover the thing that she was almost in, <laughs> but not exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what I think what we're going to probably end up doing is do three of those movies and do something else. Then shortly after, come back around She-Hulk time, maybe do the last two. Okay. I don't know. Because I don't. I want to have some depend on how interested we are. In yeah, yeah. We might have to take a breather from it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's five movies. Is kind of a. It's kind of a lot. Five movies is a lot, and then like. I might watch this show. Oh, you think you're going to... Really? Maybe. It's, a few episodes. It seems very episodic. You can just kind of pick yeah, and choose. Yeah, like, put it on. I don't have to, like, pay super close attention to right. it or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. But it, it seemed interesting enough. Huh. So, on that note, where can you find this? <laughs> it's not super easy to find. It's available in a lot of places. However, like, for example, on Amazon, you can go and find the show... The pilot isn't available on Amazon. It's, it's just, yeah, it's very odd. It's like there, but you can't click on it. It's like not available. It just says like not available. Yeah. You can get all the other ones, but you cannot get the pilot episode. All the other episodes are available to rent or buy or not buy or not rent to buy. Well, did Amazon only have like four seasons? Oh, I don't think they have the last season. I think you're right. And I don't know if they have. The, they should have the movies. It's though. like some services don't have all the seasons either. If you're yeah. looking for the show too, it's. But Apple has everything. Yes. And at a cheaper rate. You can rent them on Apple for... Or you can buy them on Apple for 99 cents. And you can buy entire seasons for 10 bucks, which is cheaper than, like, on Amazon. Where it was like, what was it, like, two-something an episode? It was one ninety nine an episode. Yeah, $2 is... an episode, which ends up being... <sighs> it's a lot. You're paying, like, what, like, almost $30 for a season? Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. For something that, like, is old. <laughs> yeah. You know? So you can get it on Apple. That's where I got it. Uh, 99 cents. I think well worth the purchase, honestly, yeah. a buck to watch this movie. Uh, it's weird though because if like so, if you have an Apple TV, it's under t- it's under TV shows. Yes, right, Be- because it's technically an episode. Yeah, yeah. If you have like, if you don't have an Apple TV, then you can go on iTunes. Uh, if you st- if you have people a- use that, yeah, oh. it's still there. Like in the TV show tabs, it's still there. Uh, I think on like a Mac, it's under like your they separated it on Mac, so now it's like. There's an Apple TV app, and I think it might still be on there because it's like it's from back when you could rent and buy TV shows on iTunes and Apple and right, put it on your phone and stuff like that. I, I guess you can still do, but just through the Apple TV app. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But if you have an Apple TV, it's under TV shows. Okay. And also, it's a little tricky to even find this pilot on there because you'll go to like season one of the show, and it says like episode one. It's like not the pilot. Really? I, had, I had to like scroll a little bit until I saw something that said episode 101 uh-huh. pilot. So we we definitely watched the same movie, right? I watched the one that said pilot. Okay, perfect. He got <laughs> okay. his. He okay. gets his, it's an origin story. Right? Yes, yes. Okay, perfect. Yes. 
Could you imagine? No, I had I had to like dig a little bit because yeah. I'm just like, what? This doesn't seem right. Uh, that kind of sucks. Um, maybe I will post something. I, maybe I should start uh, posting like, hey, this is where you watch this. This thing. is a tutorial on how to access this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we recently completed all the Doctor Strange stuff, which was a movie from 1978 called Doctor Strange. Followed by a knockoff movie called Dr. Mordred from 1992, uh, because we were just reviewing Dr. Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Before that, what did we do before that? Oh, that was so long ago. What did we do before that? Did we do like a one-off movie? We were doing Tom Cruise stuff. We, that was oh, our we Tom did Tom Cruise-a-thon. Um, that's right. We did Oblivion and we did Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. So uh, those are the most recent episodes. You can check those out everywhere. Basically, we're going to analyze this movie by doing initial expectations background information the plot we're going to analyze the movie we're going to keep or cancel which is our special fun segment where we talk about the stars of the show slash movie and we decide if we're going to keep them or cancel them and today we're going to do uh bill bixby who is the director uh i don't know if he's like the showrunner technically Hmm. he's kind of like I don't even know if he's the director in this case. <laughs> um, he's the star. He plays uh, Banner and Hulk. Well, not Hulk, but he plays Banner. He plays Banner. I think next week I want to do Lou Ferrigno, and then after that, we'll see who's left. We'll figure it out. Because <laughs> uh, there's not a lot. Because it's really just... The show is really just them. Yeah. And then, like, the guests. And then meeting various people. Yeah. yeah. Also, guys, we are live on Twitch. Uh, we stream all these episodes on Twitch right now so if you want to be a part of the show if you listen to it and just want it to be interactive a little bit uh you can do that you can find us on twitch.tv slash films from pz tuesday nights perfect yeah tuesday nights around 8 p.m eastern time we're not recording an episode we're probably playing a game even if it's a board game we've done that before (laughs) we did the jarek the jarek yeah that was fun somewhere (laughs) cool let's get started are you ready let's go uh, initial expectations, Berto. What were your expectations watching this? Um, I didn't really have any because I didn't even know what to expect. I know that this show is very popular in pop culture. It's referenced yeah. a lot. That's, that's <laughs> most of my information going in on this also. Yeah. And like, I just, I didn't know a lot about it. So I just, it can't be horrible if it, one, went on for five seasons and two, is referenced so often and not just as like a joke. Right. Like a lot like, of references are like almost like a love letter. Yeah, this is like a genuine piece of pop culture. Including the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie has a lot of references so to this. So does the first one, so does Hulk 2003. I remember nothing from that movie, so I can't wait for us to eventually cover that. Well, that's the thing. I was like, <laughs> do we do that one for She-Hulk or are we using all our Hulk stuff too quickly? I don't know. Yeah, I think we're. I think we'd be using our Hulk stuff too quickly if we did all of it right now. That's true. Yeah. So you were kind of expecting to like this. Well, at least I was had... expecting to be like fine with it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I was in the same place because yeah, there's just so much pop culture around surrounding this. Everybody knows who Lou Ferrigno is, whether you've watched this or not. Like me, for yeah. example. <laughs> yeah, and you know? like you know he's the Hulk. You know he's the Hulk. That's what he did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my parents saw this like on my, TV. My parents saw this too. Like I remember when the Hulk. Both Hulk movies, when they came out, my parents were like, oh, yeah, I like the show. And I'm like, how do you know more about Marvel right now than I do? <laughs> I remember when uh, we were watching The Incredible Hulk back in 2008, uh-huh. and my dad was, like, pointing out the references to, like, the original. He's like, oh, that's Lou Ferrigno. He was the original Hulk. Right. Oh, you know, the, the gamma radiation machine. Like, that looks like how it looked in the... Yeah. The, and it, 
I watched this today. I'm like, oh my god, it does. It looks exactly it's the, the same exact thing. same thing. Yeah. So like, yeah, there's a lot of like callbacks to this. The hitchhiking, I think we're going to see in the, the hitchhiking, the lonely man theme, the lonely man theme, which is very called. good. It is. Do 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 do. Yeah, it's pretty good. The music's honestly pretty good. It, we're really, really we're going to get into it, but background information. I have, as usual, I think we should do a little bit of information about the character of the Hulk. All right. First introduction was the Incredible Hulk number one, 1962, by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Right. Here's something I did not know. The Hulk was inspired by the popularity of the Thing from the Fantastic Four. Hmm. Uh, he was one of the most popular characters Marvel had, surprisingly enough, at the time. I think they were surprised by that, too. I think the Fantastic Four was just popular in general at the time, too. Yeah, people, I think kids also, like, like the Thing because he's kind of a monster man. He's also, know? like, probably the most colorful on page out of all of them, too. Yeah, maybe most recognizable, also. Yeah. You know, I can see that. So they wanted to kind of capitalize off that, make another one, <laughs> uh, but wanted a little bit more Quasimodo meets Frankenstein's monster meets Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. And then Jack Kirby also cited witnessing hysterical strength uh, and hysterical strength is a phenomenon. And we're going to talk about a lot in this movie because it's like a plot point in this movie. It is uh, where it's a phenomenon where someone might have extraordinary strength like beyond the limits of what you we think is physically possible because of like stress or like like a time of like desperation and yeah yeah. life or death like a mother lifting a car to save her son right which apparently jack kirby claims that he witnessed firsthand and that kind of helped inspire him you know drawing the hulk right uh but basically the hulk's origins he is a scientist working for general ross on an experimental cold war gamma bomb uh, so Bruce Banner runs out to save a teenage bozo driving onto the site, not knowing it's a testing site for weapons. How do you get that close? I don't. It's a comic. There should be signs. There should be fences. <laughs> yeah. there should, you well, the, sh- you should out, not be able to accidentally get in there. Right. Well, they're out in the desert also. So anyway, <sighs> Bruce runs out to save this teenage boy. Uh, he saves him, throws him in like a trench, but he himself is hit by the bomb's full force. Mm-hmm. So that night... He transforms into the Hulk, right? Uh, so the first issue of the Hulk was gray, and then they had not Kirby, but the color had trouble consistently mixing the color for the gray. <laughs> so they ended up switching it to green, but they didn't want a color because they didn't want uh, Stanley wanted to be very careful and not hit any racial stereotype, right? And so, like obviously, like if you make a red character, brown character. Who's like a monster. issues with that. Yeah, and stuff like that has happened before, obviously. And we've talked a lot about racial stereotype old characters like Fu Manchu and the Mandarin and the ancient one. There's been a bunch, right? So he's trying to kind of stay above that and just be like, don't give him any colors. Uh, Later on, obviously, they change it to green. Which, it's safe. Yeah, no no one's called a green person. So (laughs) I guess that's fine. (laughs) But uh, he was canceled. After six issues, uh, the the Hulk's comic. Yikes. That's quick. It is quick. It's very surprising. Also, he appeared as an antagonist to the Fantastic Four pretty quickly after his comics were canceled. Remember, the Marvel Universe is, like, connected. Right. So, so like, his comic gets canceled. That just means his solo story is not being told, but, like, he can still show up. He can still show up in other things, which is exactly what happens to the character in the movies. (laughs) (laughs) He gets sidelined. Yeah. Aw. 
So he appears in the Fantastic Four. A few months later is when the Avengers are written, and he is a founding member. So he's in that, right? Mm-hmm. Before you know it, though, he's kicked off the Avengers. Uh, he's replaced with Captain America, and he's upset about it. So there's a whole like two-issue arc, which is like the Avengers versus the Hulk. Uh, okay. Later on, there's another story where it's Fantastic Four are fighting the Hulk again, and then they team up with the Avengers. It's the all the Avengers and all the Fantastic Four fighting the Hulk. I feel like the Hulk is the one superhero that always fights all the other superheroes. I think he just fights everybody. That's kind of he does does not discriminate. <laughs> he just whoever. Because even like the animated movies, you have like Hulk versus Wolverine, yeah. Hulk versus oh, Thor. Yeah, he's like uncontrollable. Yeah, he's he's always fighting someone. And he would have he would have won too if uh, so. That teenage bozo apparently becomes a psychic for for a bit. The Hulk had a sidekick. Yeah, the teenage poser. I forgot to write down his name. What the fuck? <laughs> kind of becomes uh, Banner's assistant, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gives him, like, a serum to, like, calm him down. Otherwise, he would have, like, the Avengers wouldn't have been able to stop him. Um, and I, I love that. That's something that we see in the movies, too, where, like, yeah. they have contingencies for if, like, the Hulk goes off in yep. the wrong direction. And right? Banner himself usually helps with creating these. Yeah. He's later seen in Tales to Astonish, and that carries into his next solo series. Uh, and that's where we meet uh, some of his iconic villains, like the Leader and the Abomination. Uh, Stan Lee named the character as alter ego Bruce Banner because he liked alliterative, alliterative names. Alliterative, uh, oh my god, alliterative, alliter, alliterative, alliterative. Alliterative names. Alliterations. Yeah, names. <laughs> uh, and found them to be easy to remember. But then forgot it and mistakenly called him Bob Banner for a few issues. Uh, (laughs) So they retconned it so that his name is actually Robert Bruce Banner, but he goes by Bruce. (laughs) Which is such a hilarious 60s thing to happen. Oh, yes. Bob Banner. (laughs) It's like, ah, fuck. That's not his name. Like, fans had to point it out. They wrote in. What are you doing? (laughs) You said his name was Bruce in this issue. He's like, ah, fuck. I thought it was Bob. <laughs> so he, that's why his name is Robert Bruce Banner. He does like alliter, alliterative names. Alliter, alliterative. Alliterative. Yeah, Peter Parker, Bruce Peter Banner, Parker. Matt Murdock. I'm sure I could think probably of others, There's probably yeah. a lot more. Uh, I just can't think of them right now. Okay, whatever. It's Clark Kent, but he didn't, that's not his. That's also not alliteration because it's a C it's and a K. It's very cl- No, fuck off. It's the same thing. <laughs> I was. I thought it was because you were going to do the the L. No, it, they're different letters. Yeah, sure. Okay. Let's not get started on why the English language has it's, two of the same thing. The, <laughs> two letters <laughs> that make the same sound. Um, sometimes, sometimes. So, yeah, sometimes. So there's a lot of other really interesting things about uh, the Hulk that I'm going to. Again, we've got a shit ton more of these Hulk episodes we're going to do. So I want to save some other things. Other storylines, other characters, such as Betty Ross, uh, other alters that he has, because he has legit DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, very similar to Moon Knight in that, in that sense. And this is something that's never talked about. It is and it isn't. Like, yeah, we don't talk about it openly, but like in the comics, they do refer to other identities and they refer to the trauma that led to mm-hmm. that. Like he had an abusive father who we do see in the 2003 movie Hulk, Ang okay. Lee's Hulk. We haven't we we haven't touched up on that the, the terrible the, one yeah 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 we haven't touched up on that in the uh, in the MCU at all and I don't think we ever will but I don't know maybe uh, I don't know again we're gonna get a She Hulk 
and sh- and they're cousins. Yeah, like they might have that father slash uncle in common, perhaps. Hmm. For the show, however, so this guy named Kenneth Johnson uh, was in charge of making a TV show. He was a producer uh, based on whatever Marvel Comics uh, licenses that they had. They had a bunch, right? Probably part of the reason that they could put Thor in their movies, <laughs> Daredevil, later, Daredevil, and, yeah. yeah. But he notably made a ton of changes, right? So it says here that this was partly to translate it to a live-action show so that it would be more believable and acceptable to a wide audience, and also because he disliked comics and thus felt it was the best that the show be as different from the source material as possible. Then why are you making a show based on a comic book, dude? (laughs) And I feel like that is such a difference from then and now, where like now it's like, no, do the comic. We want to see the comic on screen. Well, now people get upset if you don't do the comic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas at the time, they were like, how do we make this as uncomic-y as possible? So we don't scare people off. Yeah, and make it more, quote-unquote, realistic, right? <laughs> and this went on up until, like, the I'd say, like, the 2000s. Until, even. like, recently, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I mean, you still have stuff like The Batman, which is, like, a gritty, more realistic take yeah. again, again on Batman. We, already, we just did that. Yeah, right. That's not so, like comic book e as Batman King. And Batman's already kind of one of the more grounded characters anyway. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because the Batman was actually still more comic booky than the Dark Knight trilogy was. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, by a little bit, for <laughs> sure. Um, he says, uh, back to this guy, Kenneth Johnson, uh, in the character's origin story, rather than being exposed to gamma rays during a botched atomic testing explosion, like I said, Banner is gamma irradiated in a more low-key laboratory mishap during a test on himself. Something I find super interesting with that is that the movies then did that. Yeah. Like, all the movies, and like you had said, they borrow more from from the show than the source material, the comics. Yep. It's kind of like Superman, where Superman is paying more homage to the movies. Than his actual origins. Than, like, the comics. Yeah. And, like, when you start doing, kind of moving away from that, people are like, oh, no, we want to see more of that kind of classic style, right? Yeah. The Hulk's strength is far more limited than the comic book, which is also kind of like, I get that part. Like, he's not going to be lifting tanks yeah, we, on 70s TV. We don't have the technology for that yet. <laughs> he felt it was more necessary for the show to be taken seriously by viewers, but I think it's more of the practicality of it, like like we said. Yeah. Um, he changed the name of Hulk's comic book alter ego to from Dr. Bruce Banner to Dr. David Banner for the TV series. He says this change was made according to Johnson because he did not want the series to be perceived as a comic book series. So he wanted to change what he felt was a staple of comic books and Stan Lee's comics in particular that major characters frequently had alliterative names. Uh, so, see, that's one of the changes. I'm like, eh, you didn't really need to do that. It's though. not unrealistic to have an, an alliterative name. No. Just like who? Also, Bruce Banner sounds better than David Banner. Yeah, who gives a shit? Like that's such a weird. Like imagine Spider-Man not being called Peter Parker. Well, I mean, there have been Spider-Man. Okay, I get it. But like, imagine original Peter Parker. If his name was like Bob Parker, (laughs) Bob Parker, Richard Parker. I'm named after my father. (laughs) I don't know, man. Bruce Banner's way better. Yes. There's some conflicting opinions here, though, because. According to both Stan Lee and Lou Ferrigno, the change was made because CBS thought the name Bruce sounded too gay-ish. Gay-ish? Gay-ish. It's the it's 70s. <laughs> Their words are different. That's too gay-ish. <laughs> it's too gay-ish. 
a rationale that Ferrigno thought was the most absurd, ridiculous thing he had ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. That Bruce is... is not a gay name. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but also, like, parents give you your name. So Br- it's like... Bruce is kind of a masculine name. Like, right. Like, I mean, obviously, you can change your name. And a lot of people do change their names right. for a variety of reasons. But it's like, there's no correlation between Bruce and gay people, I think. That's a weird thing to, like, be hung up on, I think. Yeah, and it seemed like Lou Ferrigno was very upset about that. <laughs> it's like, it's stupid. That's just, like, it's stupid. Yeah. And then, but Kenneth Johnson says that he named him after his son, David. Well, maybe so, after he had to change it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he also explains that he wanted Hulk to be red instead of green. There's already a red Hulk. Yeah, yeah, but that's, not at the time there wasn't. No. Um, his reasons were that... Red is the color of rage, uh, in that red is a human color, whereas green is not. Not sure what that means. There are no actual red people. Like, there are people with maybe like reddish hues. Yeah, what is. And like when you get human, angry, you, you turn human, a little bit pinker, but so like. I, I guess there is more red in, a hum, in human skin than. I mean, there's no green in human skin at all. Exactly. Well, what about when you're sick and. I don't think you actually pale. Turn green. Like when people say, like, you look green, you look a little bit green. I think you look like more you're just like white. You look mm. green in cartoons. Anyway, it also like it goes against the very thing that Stan Lee yeah. was saying in the first place. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so how Stan Lee said that the Hulk's color was not something that could be changed because of its iconic image. Yeah, that's where they stood firm. You're like you're not changing him. <laughs> like yeah, like imagine no. Oh, I don't think the show would have been successful. No. Uh, Stan Lee later recounted when we started the TV show. Ken said to me, you know, Stan, I don't think the Hulk should talk. Uh, the minute he said it, I know he was right. In the comics, I had the Hulk talking lines like, Hulk crush, Hulk get him. Hulk smash. Yeah, Hulk smash. Uh, <laughs> I could get away with it in a comic, but that would have been sound- that would have sounded so silly if he spoke that way in a TV show. I think Stan Lee's like being polite, you know, where he's like, oh, yeah, like that doesn't work in a TV show. Blah, blah. But like. It could. It, it, it does. We've it, seen it work in a movie. It absolutely does. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things where it's like. They put a microphone in front of him and it's like, hey, say nice things about this TV show. What's he going to say? Like, the meanest yeah, thing we've heard him say. they're changing everything and I don't like it. Yeah, the meanest <laughs> thing we've heard him say was like, what show, what movie was it that he was like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have that much fun on that one. Was it uh, Captain America? It was the Captain America ones. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you said like he just, he didn't like being involved with it. <laughs> but like, yeah, what's he going to say, right? And he said the Doctor Strange one was the one he had the most fun on. Hey guys, it's time for a quick break and we will be back in a flash. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Boy, again, maybe it's because they actually consulted him. Instead maybe. Of, like instead they, of some, they treated him with respect. Yeah. Instead of this asshole being like, hey, can I change literally everything about your character? No. Like, then why are you using the character? <laughs> Ma- just make your own thing at that yeah. point. Make an original thing. Make an or- original concept by Charles Band. <laughs> Yeah, All make right. a dark Dr. Mordred. <laughs> All right, let's get started with the plot. All right. Words on the screen. Classic. Every time this happens, I'm like, why? This is so unnecessary. <laughs> but uh, this time they say, 
Within each of us, oft times, there dwells a mighty and raging fury. And you know this is old because they use the word oft times. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember last time I've heard that word uttered. I don't I don't know if I knew that that was a word exactly. Oft times? I knew it was a word, but I've also I've read like old times. I've heard I've read old books. Oh. So So I'm, I'm saying O F T T I M E S all one word, oft times. Yeah. As in like often. But I don't know, I thought that was weird. Um the film opens up on an up style montage showing a married couple in a variety of fun outdoor activities. Walking, picnicking, fishing, carving their initials into a tree, adopting a cat, receiving bad news, making cookies, you get it. The montage ends with a couple driving down a street, their tire blows out. The car rolls over and the man is thrown out. The car catches fire and traps the woman inside. The man tries to lift the car but can't. He wakes up from his nightmare, the other half of his bed empty. So well, she, so she dead. Yeah, she, <laughs> she is dead. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I kind of like this. I like the lack of dialogue. I like the, the. It's only music. Like the montage no, open. Well, this is also there's no a, sound either. It's also a thing that the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie did. It just starts with the montage. Yeah, but for different reasons, I think for, because they were rebooting yeah. a movie from five years ago. They're rebooting it, but also it felt like it could have potentially been a sequel. Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah, they're just like, hey, we're gonna. So we're going to skip the origin. Yeah. It's kind of like Spider-Man where they're like, everybody knows Spider-Man origin. Why don't we just skip it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Whereas this, and this isn't even like Hulk's origin in this montage. Though. This is just what happened to. He had a wife and she's dead. Yeah. I don't know if we're support. Uh, it's Banner. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The montage it's... is Banner with his, his uh, wife. Uh-huh. Laura. Laura. She died in a car accident. And clearly he's uh, traumatized by this, and that's why he's having recurring nightmares about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we do a TV thing like this, that's low budget, we're expecting a certain level of quality. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, it's nice to see, like, something creative and good, I think. And I think this was an excellent way yeah, of... It shows that, like, thought was put into this. Yeah, of course. And again, it, it reminds me of Up, even though obviously Up came decades later. Well, maybe Up was inspired by the Incredible Hulk also. Uh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> because it is this, just, it's telling you, do we need to know that they went on picnics together and adopted a cat? No. no. We don't need to, but it just shows that they had a happy life. Right. Like, you get it. And it makes um, you connect with the character a ex- little bit more. Exactly. And the music is good. So. Yeah. At the Culver Institute, a scientist named Dr. Elaine Harks. Ooh, please tell me it's Harks. Doesn't matter. Walks in with a comically large binder of papers. Talks to a man smoking a pipe and finds our hero, Dr. David Banner, who tells her he's still having dreams of the accident almost a year later. Together, they interview a series of patients who have all experienced hysterical strength. The phenomenon where someone may display extreme physical strength in life and death situations. One lady describes a a very similar car accident to David's, but she was able to lift the car and save her son. Yeah, this was um, this was interesting that the, uh, this is what they start off with. They're like, just right off the bat, you already know, like, oh, they're they're trying to figure out like what causes this hysterical strength. Like, yeah, just right off the bat, you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing, I keep wanting to say Bruce, seeing David's face as this lady's talking, though, you start to like, I don't know, feel bad. You mean for David? Yeah. Because this was literally his nightmare that he keeps having, and this woman's telling the same story, but like it, but she worked out. Yeah, overall okay for her. She got burned, but she's got a big burn on her face. Yeah. (laughs) 
And by big burn, I mean, it, it looks like a big blotch of makeup. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's not the best looking, but you can you can tell. Yeah. I thought she had, what's that uh, condition called? I know what v- you're talking about. Vitiligo? Vitigolo? Vitiligo, I think it is. It's what Michael Jackson had. Yeah. It gives uh, black people who have this have blotchy white patches. Yeah, vitiligo. How do you pronounce it? Vitiligo. Vitiligo. That's yeah, how you yeah. spell it, at least. Okay, right. Yeah. Uh, except that you see her in the flashback, and she doesn't have that. So that's why you know she says that she she's scarred. Mm. But I was like, girl, that that's just a big patch of makeup. Like that's not very it's good. A big white patch of makeup. Yeah. right there. <laughs> it didn't look like like a burn at all. <laughs> no, it, that's okay though. <laughs> anyway, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of places where like this shows that. Age, mm-hmm. I think. And age and budget. A, yeah, age and budget. And that's why I was like, it's funny because, like I said, she comes in with like a binder the size of like 10 textbooks on top of each other. And a man she's talking to is smoking a pipe indoors while walking from room to room. I'm like, God, it is the 70s. <laughs> oh, and that's, that's something I noticed also when I was watching like Stranger Things. Everyone's just walking around smoking cigarettes inside. Yeah. I'm like, I kind of remember that even from the 90s a little bit. Yeah, that was the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Or going to restaurants like smoking or non-smoking section. Oh my god, we always sat in the smoking section. I hated it. I think we sat mostly non-smoking, but sometimes it'd be like first available. I know it's <laughs> right. You know, working in restaurants that sounds horrible. Having working restaurants that sounds like a like a horrible extra wrinkle to your job. Yep. Where you have to balance two sections out. <laughs> so you're gonna be smoking. Yep. All right. Well, you're gonna be waiting like longer, <laughs> like forty minutes because. Sections full and they're all chilling and smoking. <laughs> There's only one server in that section, and I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> David is upset to hear so many stories of extraordinary strength and storms out. He expresses frustration to Elaine at all the cases where individuals miraculously find the strength to save themselves or others when he himself could not and lost his wife, Laura. Elaine is concerned he is too attached and may lose his objectivity. Yeah, no ship. <laughs> He becomes the Hulk. Spoiler. Uh, He says his mother always said getting angry doesn't help. Ooh, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Also, it shows that uh, Banner's a very emotional scientist. Uh, The entire time, he's always like pounding on shit. Which, yeah, he's like, damn it. (laughs) And I mean, I know it's like, that's the point. Right. You know, there's a point where Elaine is like, don't get mad. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can tell here that they have a thing. Yeah. Like, the way she talks to him, she's flirting with him. And he's just upset still. <laughs> he he sort of reciprocates it a little bit. A little bit. They flirt back and forth yeah. sometimes. Inside, David turns down a reporter named Jack McGee, who wants to cover his research in his tabloids. Analyzing the blood samples with Elaine, David becomes frustrated that yeah, he's just pounding on shit. Any chance he gets. <laughs> He gets frustrated that all their la- all their blood samples are normal. Elaine suggests looking at the cellular level and the mitochondria, reciting her middle school biology knowledge. Powerhouse of the cell. Yes. She goes, she says verbatim, they are responsible for converting fat and sugar derivatives into energy. <laughs> then David describes what a cell is. <laughs> for the audience, obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> for all the idiots watching this on primetime television. For, for children. Like... I just think it's funny that they have, like, this dialogue, which is like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh, yes, the mitochondria, it does this. Oh, yes, and a cell. This is a cell. 
Oh, how did I not think of that? Let's go take it to the electron microscope. You guys are fucking scientists. These guys are PhDs. Like, <laughs> um, Under a very powerful microscope, they discover that the patient's DNA all share a similar, unusual characteristic. But Dr. Banner's does as well. Something external must be missing if these people could harness their strength and Banner couldn't. Another scientist mentions gamma radiation from the sun, which inspires David to check the gamma weather on each occurrence. Each person was exposed to high levels of gamma radiation from the sun, but on the day of David's accident, the gamma was unusually low. Can you check the amount of gamma radiation that the sun put out on a certain day? I think so. I know we can check UV levels. Is this is that a similar thing? Yeah, because I think uh, it, a is lot gamma of, radiation ultraviolet radiation. It's further. Oh, okay. I think yeah. If you look on the spectrum of light, the gamma mm-hmm. is a very specific section. Okay, I'm not a radiologist, so. Okay, so um, <laughs> I think they even mention in this like it comes from sunspots and stuff, and so the sun does have its own weather, mm-hmm. uh, based on like that I know sunspots and, yeah. and stuff like that, and there could be certain days where the radiation is higher because of it. So there, yeah, there's some scientific okay. plausibility so here. It, it's not bullshit jargon. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For I mean the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the self. It's not none of it's bullshit. No, it's all real science. <laughs> it's all <actually>. real. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, is that like all these people just happen to like they're picking and choosing these specific people who were able to display hysterical strength, and they're finding out that it's because of the, the sun. Plus, like a, a certain mutation in their DNA that Banner also has. But he wasn't exposed to gamma on the day of his accident. So he's like, let me go fucking irradiate myself. Exactly. <laughs> like any genius like, would do. Like any Right. Like any psychopath genius would, would <laughs> attempt. A lot of this movie is this kind of techno jargon, this kind of medical mm-hmm. uh, research back and forth with, with Elaine and, and Banner. And I don't know how I feel about it because on the one hand, I kind of appreciate them putting all this to some level of logic. Yeah. On the other hand, like we said earlier, you don't need it. You could just do the comic and say, he, right. he has superpowers now. Well, he really wanted to make this realistic. <laughs> I guess. I think one of the reasons I'm I'm okay with it is for one, like I think it works. Mm. Like I, you can follow the logic. It's not like it's too sciencey and too over your head. No. As long as you're paying attention, you'll be fine. But this also kicks off five seasons of Hulk. Yeah. So I think it's fine that we spend an entire movie kind of analyzing the logic of the Hulk. Right. Because yeah, at the end of the day, this is it's a pilot to a show. Right. Like it's not a standalone movie. Exactly. And it it's not fair to analyze it as one. Yeah. So and it, yeah. I mean, it's a tiny blip on the radar that it is the this entire TV yeah. show. Right. Right. So. Yeah. So yeah, it's Fine. it's just it's making introductions to the science of it. Yeah. I also really like the character of Elaine. Yeah, she's kind of cool. I thought she was cool. She's hot. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I thought she was a, maybe the best actor here. I think it might have been Elaine. The... I think she was better than Bill Bixby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bill Bixby's real good at looking annoyed all the time, though. <laughs> Frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he's fine. I feel like his performance still, like you still see it. Like you, like you're like, oh, that's that's a man he's acting. A, he's acting. Yeah, yeah. Elaine's more, a little more believable. She's a little bit more natural. I yeah. think I liked her quite a bit, and I think they have good chemistry. 
After everyone goes home, David goes to a radiology room and turns the gamma radiation to the highest levels and sets a timer. Doesn't even check the reading on it. He's well, we learn later that I, the reading wasn't accurate because it's very logical. This movie, yeah, but like, but still, like, come on. <laughs> uh, he tries to lift a heavy stretcher as a control, straps himself into the machine, and exposes himself with dangerous levels of gamma radiation. Everything seems fine. He calmly lets himself out and tries lifting the stretcher again, but finds it just as difficult. So I do like that he's a real scientist. He performs a control. He goes, right. how do I feel lifting they, this heavy object? They use a scientific method. Yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards, he's like, let me lift this thing again. I still can't do it. It didn't work. <laughs> also, the the um, the gamma radiation like machine thing that he gets, and that's what looks exactly like the one from uh, yeah. the, the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie. And I, again, like I, even with like the light on his eye and everything. I think the 2003 one as well. Did the three one do that I, as well? I think they both do the same. Well, also like remember, the same machine. Well, it's the same origin, also. Th- that's true because in the two thousand eight one, we see it in like the montage. Yeah. So I mean, if that's supposed to be that movie, then well, it, no, it's not. They're not connected. It is, but it isn't. It's complicated. It's not that complicated. They're different, <laughs> but they are both calling back to the same thing, which is yeah. this. And so it's funny that like no Hulk thing has tried to do the gamma bomb. You know, the thing from the comic book. It's a little ridiculous. Yeah, they're only That's, doing the show. Yeah. And it's it's just because and, the show's more popular. And also, I think that might have been one of the things that this guy got right with the show. It's like uh, doing a bomb. It's like, one, how the hell are we going to do that on a TV budget? Two, yeah. that's ridiculous. I Yeah. <laughs> he pushes a guy out of the way yeah. of a bomb. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I like this origin better. The one that, from the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because... He has to live with that horrible decision that he made on an impulse forever. Yeah. Like, he did that to himself. He made a mistake. Yeah. And it does... The intention of Stan Lee was to harken back to Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde. In those scenarios, they are products of their own mistakes. Yes. Right? So, it makes him more of, like, this monster character that he is responsible for his own actions and his own mistakes, and he created the Hulk himself. He cursed himself. Exactly. Yeah. Also, why is he doing this alone? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, too, is like uh, they explain that, like, every, you know, Elaine had left already, but like, come on. But also, like, there wouldn't be a show, right? Well, there still could be. They could do, like, literally, like they did in the movie where it's like, oh, something went wrong. I can't get in to help you. Oh, that's right. Like, something like that would have been fun. Like, mm. him just doing this to himself alone. For a scientist, that's a pretty fucking stupid thing to be well, doing. Well, here's the thing. And then this movie does cover its bases. She says, you're too attached to this. You're going to lose your objectivity. And he lost his objectivity. Very quickly. <laughs> like, almost immediately. <laughs> For Also, here's the other thing. is like, how is it going to help? You can't go back in time and save your wife. In case it happens again. Okay, well. Frustrated. But, and it, it does happen. Again. He's always frustrated. Yeah, yeah. It's, whatever <laughs> frustrated banner leaves the office gets caught in the rain and drives home angry and distracted he runs over some debris and flats a tire bordering on rage banner gets it's so funny because the thing is like is he a good actor because he's just like, like he's, just, he's getting worse and he's worse. like i hate everything <laughs> like he's just so like fake angry uh banner gets a spare tire jacks his car up and is unable to remove the lug nuts Angered by this, his DNA begins to mutate and his shirt rips open. 
and his skin changes hue to green. He is now fully transformed into the Incredible Hulk. Hulk punches the car, removes the wheel, lug nuts and all, and then beats up on his car repeatedly until it's destroyed. He lifts it and rolls it down the hill as it explodes. Well, that doesn't solve your problem at all. Yeah, but this is Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I love how every event just gets Banner more and more just angry. Again, like he's the way he's just angry. Fuck, my experiment didn't work. Fuck, it's raining. Fuck, I ran over debris and got a flat tire. (laughs) The way he's angrily jacking up his car, he's like, God damn it. (laughs) It's it's comical. So the transformation into the Hulk, it's it's exactly what you expect it to be. Look, and it's it's nineteen seventy seven. It's a TV movie budget. We've sort of seen it through pop culture and, and whatever. You've probably have seen the Bill Bixby to Lufering No Hulk transformation, right? Yeah, he transforms into a green bodybuilder. Right. And like his eyes glow green. They just do a very kind of like simple I mean, I don't know how to do this. It's like a fade from one image to the other. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like zooming in on their body parts. They don't have to show the face changing. It's, again, it's fine. It's exactly what you expect yeah, it to be. Nothing you, wrong with could this. You, could you realistically expect anything more? Probably not. At the I time, think. no. Given the limitations of both time and money, like era and money, I don't think so. Uh, I think it's perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Like great. If I and then we're gonna talk about it later when we get to the costumes and stuff. If I had a complaint, I think it's just the wig and his eyebrows. Was, it makes him look like a buffoon. It's super fake looking. Yeah. Hulk walks down to a lake where he encounters a little girl fishing and kills her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he he scares the shit out of her though, uh, while offering a friendly hand and unintentionally creepy smile. The girl rows out into the lake in a panic and falls out of her canoe. Hulk breaks down a tree to extend to the girl to save her from drowning. The girl's father, who was out hunting, sees Hulk and yells at him to get away, shooting a warning shot. Hulk ignores him, prioritizing the girl's safety, and so the hunter shoots him in the shoulder. This enrages the Hulk, who goes after the man, throws him in the lake with his daughter, and destroys his camp. (laughs) He flees and finally catches a glimpse of himself in the river's reflection, which calms him down and transforms him back into David. Why does seeing his reflection calm him down and not freak him out? I think it's just not... If if he's not angry, then he's going to switch back. True. You know? And I think he sees himself, he's like, oh, this is weird. (laughs) Also, Hulk's just trying to be a good guy. He's very friendly, isn't he? A little out of character for him. Yeah, I thought, yeah. From what we know, you know, like later. He's like, uh, I'm going to help you. Well, I mean, I don't know, like, the Hulk himself isn't a bad guy. He's just very angry. But, like, he's so angry that he doesn't really take into account what he's doing or who he's hurting. But I don't think he would intentionally hurt a little girl either. True. Uh, he sees a little girl fishing and he kills her (laughs) no i just thought it was funny that like he he looks at her and he's like he smiles he's like hey little girl (laughs) it is it looks creepy but he's just trying to be nice the tree is i don't know how they did that that was a really good effect because he like literally holds a huge tree and the thing is maybe he was actually holding a tree it's probably made out of styrofoam (laughs) you know it's probably not heavy 
but it, even painted so, really well. Yeah, I mean that's how they they make props using foam all the time. Yeah. At the same time, like it's very long. It's still impressive that he can pick that up. And then he is a bodybuilder though. <laughs> yeah, know? which is I think why they casted him in the role. I, I mean, of course. Um, no, I thought that was a good uh, a good effect, and there's some good effects here, like. We do see a car legitimately roll down the hill, like that. They would have had to done that for real, and it, yeah. in a movie today, that seems like no big deal. But like a TV in the seventies, it's like okay, like we get one car. Like they're not going to give us more than one car. <laughs> we cannot fuck this tape up <laughs> at all. And then it and it fucking explodes on top of that too. <laughs> like that's impressive, you know. They might have had like two cars, maybe. Yeah, like like one extra just in case. <laughs> David goes to Elaine's house. It's Elena, isn't it? Uh, Am I? Yeah, I've been fucking it up this whole time. Have you? I knew I was doing something wrong. I Damn it. Knew it. Oh, no. Yep, it's Elena Marks. Elena. Okay, I'm sorry. I've been saying Elaine this whole time. It's fine. You could just put a little <sighs> disclaimer at the beginning of the episode saying, hey, I said her, I butchered her name for like half of this episode. It also doesn't matter. Let's keep, keep going. <laughs> oh, my God. Everyone matters. <laughs> it's not a real person. Uh, David goes to Elena's house to explain the phenomenon. She remarks that his bullet wounds are healing rapidly. David admits to the irresponsible gamma injection he gave himself, but only barely recalls becoming the Hulk. The two agree to run some tests at a secluded lab and are interrupted by the reporter, Mr. McGee, who sees David half-dressed in her house. Yeah, he's a nosy little bitch, isn't he? He really is. And I think they should have explored this angle more because so like so when David gets there, uh, Elena is in the shower. So, yeah, she's she like quickly puts on a robe. So she's been in a robe this entire time and he's in torn up clothes because he turned into the Hulk. Right. Right. So like when the reporter sees him. He's like half naked, essentially. Yeah, she's and, in a robe. And she's in a robe. They're like, "Oh, you guys fucking." Yeah, that's the implication. <laughs> and you know, they're partners professionally, so there's already scoop there. And like, it, the movie kind of ignores that. And I'm like, they're. I thought they were going down this angle. They're going to use this for something, and they don't. And it was going to get him mad. Yeah, maybe. I think that would have been interesting. And here's the thing. I don't know. We haven't seen any more of this, so maybe this comes back. <laughs> you know, I doubt it. The reporter is a recurring character. He's like the only reoccurring character. <laughs> really? Yeah, the reporter. Cuz he follows he follows Banner around the whole time. He's like the villain. He's like, "Oh man, I'm going to I'm going to figure this out." Yeah, cuz I don't think there's a General Ross in this. No. And there's no Betty No, I know it cuz there's no Betty Ross either in there's any no of this. Ross, there's no Talbot. No, none of that. There's no like military threat. I don't know. Huh. At least not for now. Not okay. that I know of. All right. I already said that I like her character a lot. And everyone's smoking all the time. We talked about that also. We did. Yeah. We talked about both of those things. Wow. Yeah, no, because like, the reporter answer, he walks up, cigarette in mouth. Yep. Like, Look, at someone's door. Because it's just, it's a thing. <laughs> it's just People a thing. People no cares. cares. Yeah. At the secluded lab, David runs tests while inside a pressure chamber for their safety. Elena reveals that the scientists had modified the gamma machine and had increased the capacity by almost 10 times without labeling it. What an idiot. <laughs> says she was still fiddling with it. <laughs> so you label it. It says I'm fiddling with this. Don't fuck with it. Yeah. Don't, don't touch just, it. Don't just leave it blank. <laughs> uh, Elena argues they should try to reverse his condition. But David wants to trigger another episode from within the chamber. They recreate the scene by turning off the lights, 
opening a pipe to simulate rain, and David goes as far as trying to electrocute himself <laughs> to Elena's protest. Like, oh yeah, there was a a lightning storm that night too, and she's like, "Oh God," because <laughs> like, they they talked about like Ben Franklin flying the cli- the kite earlier. Yeah. So she's like, "Oh God, you do have a thing for Ben Franklin," which was a fun little callback to earlier in the movie. It was a little clever. He said something about Ben Franklin earlier. Yeah, I don't remember that. He says something about like you know Ben Franklin flying the kite. She's like, "Yeah, he could have been electrocuted," and he's like, "But he wasn't." Yeah, but I don't remember another instance where he mentioned Ben Franklin. Oh, well, she mentions Ben Franklin when he talks about electrocuting himself here. Yeah, but you said it was a callback. To him talking about the kite earlier. I thought that was the same scene. Nope. Oh, wow. Okay, well. well. It might have been like a couple, like a scene or two later. It might not be that okay. far <laughs> earlier. This is a short movie, too, so yeah. it's a TV episode. Uh, well, I mean, it's an hour and a half. It's like Ish. two TV episodes jammed uh, together. <laughs> Nothing happens, so David goes to sleep in the chamber while still hooked up to the EKG. This is a very convenient pressure chamber, I think. Like, it has water mains, it has a bed, it has lockers with clothes, probably has a toilet. Yeah, was it, like, for, like, training purposes or something? I think it was to go underwater in and, like, do tests. Like, like to literally like go underwater? Sea, like a deep sea kind of apartment. Okay. Uh, it, which, I mean, that all makes sense then, that there would be beds in there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there's beds on there's bunks on submarines, right? Right. I yeah. would assume <laughs> they'll just sleep on the steel floor. Yeah, I just thought it was very because he's like, all right, well it was raining. Let me just open up this pipe that's right above me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, everything was like everything he needed was like right next to him. Right. Uh, as David sleeps, Elena studies him. He starts to have his reoccurring nightmare of his wife's death. The EKG needles move wildly as he enters his transformation and then stops abruptly. Elena records her observations while Hulk smashes everything inside the chamber and slowly breaks his way through the steel doors. Elena records her observations while Hulk smashes everything inside the chamber and slowly breaks his way through the steel doors. Elena continues to observe and record. Hulk finally breaks out and faces Elena, who is, for some reason, not terrified. (laughs) She calms him, gets a blood sample, and sets him down on the couch. And Hulk transforms back into David. She's just describing what he's doing into the recording while she's just like, he's breaking out and going toward her. She's like, and now he's breaking the window. (laughs) I really liked it. I thought it was a very interesting. It was very scientific of her. Well, yeah, but it was also like an interesting subversion of expectations, I think, because you expect her to turn into a damsel in distress. And, or like scream and, like, and run and, and scream and run away and instead she's like this facing is, him this down is very interesting yeah she yeah, right <laughs> she's facing him down and like and other thing too is like i think it works for the scene because she's serving as a narrator in a scene that maybe didn't need one but got one you know okay, yeah she's saying all the things that he's doing even though we see it clearly it adds like an extra dimension i think i quite liked it i didn't mind it but at the same time i was like She's just standing there watching. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like, she's more interested in it than afraid of it. Yeah. I, she's a, I mean, definitely a better scientist than Banner. A hundred percent. And I kept on waiting. Again, I kept on waiting for her to get scared and run away, and she doesn't. I was like, okay. this is a, Well, she is cool. This is a cool character, yeah. <laughs> I would have sworn, though, getting the blood sample. She gives him, like, a pinprick on his <laughs> finger. I thought that was going to do it. He was going to lose his mind. <laughs> 
But no, he's just like, all right. He seemed really cool about it, yeah. What do you think about, like, this action, like, him breaking out? Because the thing is, is like, it is very 70s, right? It's very 70s. It feels very, like, low budget. It feels very slow. Because he's just kind of, like, slowly picking stuff up and going, gah, yeah. gah. It's just a guy picking things up and hitting things. That, yeah. That's all it is. Uh, but on the flip side, it's like... I think narratively, it's fine. Okay. Like, I buy into it. It's a product of its era. Like, today we see this and we go... Well, this is boring. You know, right. like we've seen shit. We've seen a lot better. We saw stuff Hulk than this. chasing Black Widow through a helicarrier in 2012. Exactly. Like <laughs> you compare that to any other, you know, hulking out. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, obviously. But like this was kind of the first one. Yeah. You know, and it is still impressive. I think again, product of its era and of its budget on TV that they built this set that can reasonably be dismantled by a regular human and look like he's bending steel. That's true. You know, and he's breaking through fake glass. He's bending fake steel. <laughs> you know, he's punching his way through doors. And it doesn't... I mean, it looks realistic enough. Like, you, yeah. it's just really good prop work no, Like, y- you feel the, the weight of him breaking the stuff. Like, it doesn't yeah. look like it's just flimsy stuff. That, that's my yeah. point. It doesn't, none of it looks like foam. No. And, like, cardboard. And in that sense, yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah, I quite... I was I was honestly pretty impressed by most of it. Uh, when they, he's getting in and out of the chamber, they they also pay close attention to make sure that the audience sees how the doors work, that there's multiple doors. Yeah, things that like at the time I was like, well, this seems slow, but they really want the audience to understand the space, so that when Hulk breaks through it, it's a little bit more impressive. Yeah, and whenever an action scene or whenever a movie makes you pay close attention to the space and it makes you understand it, the payoff is way better afterwards too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can I can see that. Especially like in action. If you don't know where you are in the scene, then it doesn't then it doesn't work. No, you don't want like yeah, you're just confusing jump cuts, all yeah. that yeah. You know what it reminds me of is a uh, Jurassic Park. Like the scene with the Velociraptors, I almost said Velociraptor. Uh, the scene with the Velociraptors in the kitchen with the kids. Yes. The reason that works so well is because the camera does such a good job of showing you exactly where you are, exactly what the set yep. is, where the little corridors are, where the kids are, and where the T Rexes are. Not the T Rexes, the, the raptors. Velociraptors. Yeah, and you see, um, like how close the raptors actually get to them and like yeah. it's very tense because you know exactly where they're at yeah like you the viewer like oh god he's like right next to you he's like one turn to the left that's where the dinosaur is. yeah like you need to watch out and then so when she does the, the mirror trick because there's like a really shiny piece of steel mm. and that the raptor thinks see it sees the girl through and it and it runs right into it you know yeah that works because you as the viewer know exactly where she is. <laughs> and so when there's a reflection, now you're thrown off. Yep. But if it was edited really quickly, you that wouldn't have looked you'd any be, different you'd than be, before. You'd be confused and like, what the fuck did I just yeah. watch? Yeah. Anyway, like here, I, I quite appreciate the careful, patient establishing of the set, right? Before they fucking wreck it to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> they conclude that his metamorphosis occurs from anger and that he cannot be controlled. Elena insists that despite the Hulk destroying everything in sight, he wouldn't hurt anyone because David himself wouldn't hurt anyone. The police arrive to question Banner about his wrecked car that they recovered. 
and the reporter is also there with a plaster imprint of a giant footprint. David and Elaine leave for the main lab, so the reporter, Mr. McGee, sneaks in and sees the destroyed pressure chamber. Whoa, he's under tail. <laughs> yes, he is. Did you see the plaster footprint that he brought? Yeah, it's it enormous. Looked, it was like a like a Bigfoot footprint. Basically. Yeah, and then the cop was like, "We we don't know if that's real." <laughs> or the cops like, "Please go away! Don't you don't yeah, it's like we don't want to start a panic. Like get, get out of here." I just really want to. I really quick want to see uh, Lou Ferrigno six foot five. Oh shit, he's he's tall. Well, yeah, but they also say that like the creature is seven feet. So there's a lot of like larger than life about this Hulk where like you're told that he's a certain size but then you also see him and he's not that size but there's a level of perspective and there's a level of suspension of disbelief on top of that you see that plaster footprint it's enormous and we saw the Hulk and he doesn't look that quite that big but it's kind of like in store they're like yeah no but he's this big he's huge and you're supposed to like obviously this is the biggest man we could find (laughs) (laughs) but pretend that he's bigger please (laughs) I mean, and it works. Yeah, it works in a way that it it does on a... Again, it's a TV thing. <laughs> yeah, like if this was like a major motion picture, then yeah, no, probably like wouldn't. If it was a movie today and they're like, this is how big this man is. We're like, no, we just saw him. <laughs> no, he's don't. not. He's like six feet. <laughs> like, we don't... Yeah, don't do this. He's a regular guy. Yeah. Maybe a little bit taller. A couple other things here that I saw. The reporter names the creature Hulk, for one. Two, and we've seen this place, the Culver Institute. I don't know if that's from the comics. However... It is in the movies. It's in the movies, exactly. (laughs) Um, In the 2008 movie, he works at Culver University. Yeah. Uh, Wow. More more callbacks to this. To this specifically, yeah. yeah. And also, uh, Banner at one point tells Elena that he's Dr. Banner, not Dr. Jackal. Which I thought was fun. (laughs) Dr. Jekyll is also a Marvel character. Is he? Eh, so actually, I think it's just Mr. Hyde. I think it's just Hyde. Oh, okay. Because Hyde, who is named after Mr. Hyde, but he's yeah, not a, he's not a Doctor Jekyll Mr. Hyde situation, right? It is. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> but like, I don't think his name is Doctor Jekyll. Actually, now that I think about it, damn it, his name's like Calvin Zab. He's in Agents of Shield. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Back in the radiology room, they strap Banner back in to use the X-ray therapy to try to reverse his condition, but fail. They return to the second lab and way too loudly discuss their plan to gather materials and leave for a nuclear lab instead, where the walls are so thick, Hulk will not be able to break them. David finds the eavesdropping Mr. McGee and threatens to call the cops, but McGee knows that they're somehow involved with the Hulk creature. David kicks him out and tells him, Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. He said the line. He said the thing. This is also the first time he ever said it. Ever, right? It's from this. It's from this. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's been said in everything, except for, I guess, in the MCU, they don't say it. They say, you wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. Yep. And And in Morbius. Portuguese. In Morbius. What is he He said, like, I'm getting hungry, and you won't like me when I'm hungry. Oh, my God. It's the same (laughs) joke. It's the same joke. They couldn't even change it. (laughs) Oh, boy. And then he said it's Morbin time. <laughs> he doesn't actually say that, does he? Why is that a why is that the joke? I don't know, but I, I kinda love it. <laughs> <laughs> I like him it's like a meme I barely understood. I'm like, I guess I'm running with this. It's Morbin time. Uh just then Elena sees the acid 
that Mr. McGee had accidentally spilled reaching some hazardous materials and screams. The lab explodes in a fiery blaze. David sees Elena caught in rubble through a window. This stresses him into transforming into the Hulk, who breaks through the window and through fire. Hulk lifts the concrete beam off Elena and carries her out to safety as the building is engulfed in flames. Outside, Mr. McGee witnesses the Hulk carrying Elena and assumes that Banner is still stuck inside. He doesn't realize this, Mr. McGee, but this is all his fault. <laughs> yeah. And he's he, the reason why Elena it dies in the next yeah, scene. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a terrible reporter, man. Well, he works for a tabloid. <laughs> Let the Daily Bugle. Yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> there is um, another great, I think, action little sequence here where he's going through the room that's fucking lit on fire. And again, yeah. it's the 70s, and I'm sitting here going like, how do they do this? <laughs> did they actually light the room on fire and have them run through it? Yeah, those are probably controlled fires. Oh, well, but yeah. you know how hot that would be? Uncomfortably? Yeah. <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> no, and I mean, the set was built really well, I think. Like, it's it's another level on top of, like, that pressure chamber that they wrecked to pieces in the first place. Yeah. Like, now the whole building's wrecked to pieces, and there's, like, rebar and concrete and the big uh, beam that he lifts off of her and... I don't know if you noticed, by the way, there's also like a very small sound effect when he lit when he does his superpowers. I didn't notice. Stuff. It's very faint. It's not like Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's like Yeah. What was this one then? It was something similar, but it was just it was it was pretty quiet. Okay. Yeah, you'll probably hear it in future movies if they do it again. Gotcha. But yeah, I was just quite impressed by all the all the set work and the action. <laughs> Hulk sets Elena down in the woods. Dying, she talks to Hulk, hoping David can hear her, and professes that she's always loved him and always will, before she dies. Hulk, enraged, lets out a savage roar. A funeral is held for both Dr. Elena Marks and Dr. David Bruce Banner. Mr. McGee reports that the Incredible Hulk kills two and looks forward to its capture. Later, David visits her tombstones and tells Elena that he loved her and wonders if she loved him too. Incredible Hulk did not kill two. Mr. McGee killed one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, This does set up the whole show, though. This is exactly what a pilot is supposed to do. Like, you know, the rest of the show, he's going to be on the run and the reporter is going to be after him because there's a warrant for this creature's arrest. Yeah. So he's not looking for Banner. He's looking for the Hulk. Right. Hmm, I'm curious when he sees Banner, he's like, you're alive? What? I didn't appreciate that Banner got a tiny little tombstone next to <laughs> Elena's was huge. And I know they recovered her body, but still. He didn't matter. <laughs> nobody liked him. Or nobody paid money for a decent headstone. I guess. Because yeah. you got to buy those, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Nothing's, so, nothing's some, free. Someone has to buy them for on or, your behalf. Yeah, otherwise you go to Potter's tomb. Or I guess you, you can buy it before your death. I think you can buy yeah. your own. I feel like that's kind of weird buying your own headstone. I think that's included in like life insurance. Oh, cool. Funeral costs. Oh, wow. You should buy some. <sighs> <laughs> now we're too young. We're going to live forever. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel for Banner, and you're supposed to, because like there's his wife he dies. He has this other girl who's amazing, loves him. He secretly loves her, doesn't realize it because he's always in constant grief. And, and anger. He, yeah. She dies. 
and he doesn't even know that she told him that she loved him. Damn, that's unfortunate. Yeah. He assumes so. He's like, I wonder. But uh, Hulk knows. Hulk knows. He ain't going to tell. Because he doesn't talk. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of. So that's the movie, right? Uh, Let's move on. But speaking of uh, not talking, you probably knew this little fun fact that Lou Ferrigno provided the voice of Hulk for several of the MCU things. Yes. He did the roars and stuff. Yeah. Fun fact. He didn't even do that for this. In this show, oh the God. he was not the voice of the Hulk. There were other people that voiced Hulk. Why? Lou Ferrigno does it so well. He does great roars and... <laughs> but no, um, the voice of Hulk was played by... Also, I love that Lou Ferrigno is still like involved with like the Hulk. Yeah, I know. Super cute. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Cassidy. The opening narration was provided by actor Ted Cassidy, who also provided the Hulk's voiceovers. Okay, yeah. So, Ted Cassidy, and then he died by season two, and he's replaced by Charles Napier. That's a familiar name. Napier's uh, the Joker's name. That might be what I'm thinking. (laughs) Jack Napier. Jack Napier, yeah. So, I just think it's funny that, like, they didn't let him do the voice, but then in the MCU, he does the voice. Yeah. Except for, I think, up until, like, Avengers, or maybe even Thor Ragnarok. I think around that point, it's... Uh, Ruffalo? It's Ruffalo doing Well, because he's, like, and... doing regular speaking, too, at that point. Yeah, but of. I really think it's only up to, like, Avengers 1 or 2. Oh, really? That he, Lou Ferrigno does. I don't know. Well, we can look it up. But, yeah. Um, I know Lou Ferrigno was literally in The Incredible Hulk, also. He yeah, was, like, he the security little, guard uh-huh. that Bruce gives pizza to. Yeah, he did it through Thor Ragnarok. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, that was the last time he played the Hulk. So by he was uncredited. I guess every time he's uncredited. Huh. Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. So I guess by what was his next appearance would have been Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah. I guess the roars in Infinity War are Ruffalo. Okay. And then he's only Which there's in, only like he's only just in, the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, it's there's no more roaring. Yeah. It's just him talking. I think in Endgame, they sample it from the Avengers movie anyway. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's still technically Lou. Yeah. <laughs> I like his roars, though. If we have to get more uh, Hulk roaring, bring Lou Ferrigno back. Yeah, he's good at it. All right, so analysis overall. What do you what do you think about this? What, what, what can you tell me? Um, There is a lot of exposition in this. Like, it's, it's like 99% exposition. What would you prefer? <laughs> <sighs> Like, I'm not looking for, like, an action movie, but, like, I don't know. Maybe seeing the Hulk a little bit more would have been better. But also, this is a pilot to a series, so I get it. I'm with you there, I think. I think, I remember thinking there's a lot of just having to explain the logic of the Hulk. Yeah. And it's a lot of just science yeah. talk. Yeah. And then, like I said earlier, like, they really, really go through every possible step to explain it and maybe it was necessary to really capture people at a time where comic books weren't that mainstream like comic book movies and stuff right even though there were a lot of tv shows and tv movies as we've covered (laughs) we've covered the 60s and 70s and almost entirely other than like spider-man and a few others and there's god we really have haven't we yeah (laughs) and there's a lot of stuff right so did they want it to be taken a little bit seriously? Yeah, and and I get the need to like want to really make it more tangible for the audience. 
that being said, it is a lot of like, we have to explain what we're doing as we're doing it. <laughs> and, and plot wise, it's not that much. Like most of our plot synopsis is to explain the the logic that they're taking in their experiments and stuff. Right. But that's not actual plot, you know? That's not like moving people in places and learning new information and gathering a thing to take you to another thing. You know what I mean? That's like what a plot is, right? Yeah. yeah. And from what I see in other movies and other um, TV episodes, he meets a th- person and he helps them do a thing. And then he meets another person. He and meets so, a person like every week. <laughs> exactly. So it is a completely different story every week. And maybe it's, I think this ends here is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I kind of both appreciate the work that they put into that, but also like, yeah, it is a lot of exposition. Yeah. They did have to like establish him though. So I, I get it. But like even the plot, like overall, it's very simple in this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, Hey, this is the character, David Banner. And he turns into the Hulk, and we're going to show you a little bit of that. Yeah, like he scares a girl, and uh, he gets shot, and then the reporter finds him, and that's kind of the movie. Yep. Like, <laughs> if, it, if it weren't for explaining, again, like I said, all the logic behind all this, and like, but yeah, you could have done it in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you could have done this whole thing in, in so one it's, minute. It's a very quick, simple plot that was stretched out over the course of like an hour and a half. But do you feel like this is slow-paced? I feel like it's kind of slow-paced, but not in a bad way. Yeah, I can agree with that. Because, again, it's like, at the end of the day, I do appreciate everything that they did. Now, like, I don't know if this is like, a, this movie would be like a repeat view, though. You know? Like, it does a good job of establishing what it needs to establish. And now it's just like, I feel like I would just, all right, time to move on to the show, you know? I get that, yeah. I mean, if if someone else were like, hey, I want to I want to watch an old Hulk thing, I'd be like, yeah, I'll watch it with you. I wouldn't be like... I mean, I guess I'm skipping to the end, but I mean, I wouldn't be like, <laughs> you know, go do it on your own. I I did that already, and that's maybe how I feel about like Doctor Mordred. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, here, Ber- Berto has it in his living room. Just go borrow it. <laughs> he he might watch it with you. <laughs> yeah, so story. I think it's I think it's good, but like like you said, like we said, it's it's a bit drawn out in in its having to overly explain Hulk. Out of fear that it'll be too comic booky, right? Yep, and that's the big issue. They they're scared of the source material. Yeah. <laughs> Cinematography, just overall, kind of like, I mean, we can talk about like the, the filmmaking in general here. I'm honestly quite impressed with a lot of it. It's like super decent, which is a compliment for '70s television. This came out <laughs> a year before Captain America, right? And it's way this better. Is done, it's done way better. Like, way better. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no floating plastic shield. There's no you know, 10-minute helicopter chase. Yeah. Like, 10 this minutes is, real time. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it, this is much tighter than that. And like I said, this does show its limitations of the era and of the budget. But these are good filmmakers, I think, that sat down to make this. Yes. I, and I really appreciate the earnestness. And I appreciate... I mean, they they put in a hundred. You can you can tell by like I said, like there's a car that rolled down a hill. It exploded. We saw two cars explode in this, by the way. Then the building exploded. Yeah. There's fire everywhere. The sets are amazing. Like the way I mean, and it's only one set basically. So I okay, cool. Put all the money in this. It's all exposition anyway. Yeah, we're so, not, we're not filming on location anywhere. Like no, they go to a lake. <laughs> they go to a house, 
and then and then the lab and that's and it. that's those are the three locations <laughs> of the movie <laughs> and so like i really appreciate the the set the props the filmmaking decent actors i think yeah I think- there's no like poor performances or anything like you said the bill bill bixby uh-huh it seemed like he was like overacting a little bit, but it's like sometimes, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't bad though. No, he's not bad. He's not. Yeah, and <laughs> even the other, even like the bad guy, he's like he's fine. Yeah, like I thought he was, he was just fine. Like I said, Elena, Elena is by far my favorite. And they killed her off. <laughs> yeah, they killed her off. I think she might have had a um, one of the better careers. Really? Yeah, out of everybody here, better than Lou. Yeah, Lou Ferrigno didn't do that much. He's mostly famous for this. No, uh, true. But people love him. I mean, sure. <laughs> All right, so her name is Susan Sullivan. Okay. Uh, she is She's still acting. She looks exactly the same. Look at this. Oh, this is 10 years ago. This is 12 years ago also. She was in Dharma and Greg. Uh, she was the main Greg. character. She was in Castle, Falcon Crest. Oh, wow. She was in a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff I haven't really seen. Last Man Standing, a voice in Big Hero 6, the series. Whoa. Two and a Half Men. A lot of stuff. A lot of TV. Yes. Yeah, she was great. I loved her. (laughs) I'm sad that she's not going to be in this anymore. Uh, I think the music was really good. And you can tell why it's it's a classic now. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not just the, what's it called? The Lonely Man theme? Yeah. It's not just that. Like the rest of the music was, I thought pretty. It's good. all good too. It all very, very much fits what's going on on screen. Yeah, yeah. I thought out of all of the stuff we've seen from like this era, it might be the best. But in like, like Doctor Strange, Captain America. Mm, yeah, Doctor Strange with the porn music. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. That was not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I enjoy the music in this as well. Very piano heavy. Yeah, it's good. and I like it. It's timeless. Though. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, like, you want to make something that ages well. It's like George Lucas said it. Why did he went with an orchestra instead of, like, pop music? It's because it'll age better that way. And look at Star Wars today. Like, yeah, the music still stands out as, like, the best part. Even in the bad movies. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Costumes. Like, overall, look at these characters. Oh, uh, this this might be where, like, the it, it shows his age in the worst way, I think. Yeah, because the only, like, costume, it's going to be Hulk. It's gonna be Lou Ferrigno's yeah. Hulk. Yeah, and he's painted green. It's he's <laughs> he's just a guy painted green with the wig and bushy eyebrows. You know, the, I think that yeah, it's the bushy eyebrows and the wig that are by far the worst part. But you know what? Other thing I think makes it not great is that they give him huge clothes. Like his clothes are very baggy, mm-hmm. and he's supposed to be big. So like, why is his shirt so enormous? Because it's, it's why is he even wearing a shirt? Yeah, and sometimes he's not, I think, but, like, because most of the time it's, like, just, like, his... His shirt, like, rips off, and he it, keeps his pants on because nudity reasons. Right, right, the character. But, I mean, like, in this, like, oh. his shirt's open anyway. It's just dangling off his shoulders. Yeah. Like a weird Shaw poncho situation, like it right? It, at that point, it doesn't need to be there. No, just take it off. Yeah. But it's big. Like, when you see his, uh, sh- his sleeves ripping, you could tell the shirt's, like, a larger size. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, I feel like if they had given him really tight clothing, it would have done a more of a perspective trick and made him look bigger. It would have. 
Like a hundred percent. Like, oh, that shit doesn't fit him at all. Yeah. yeah, because we're supposed to believe that he's like seven foot tall and, and enormous, and he just kind of looks a little bit bigger than Bill Bixby. The shirt should, like, if he's wearing like a full ass shirt, it should look like a damn crop top. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The other <laughs> thing too is that like he's not small. He's six foot five. He's an he is a big guy. Yeah, and he put him next to you. See pictures of him standing next to Big Bill Bixby, of which there's a ton. He towers over him, mm. and yet in the show. They kind of look the same size. Yeah, like, the perspective isn't really there. They didn't take it full advantage of that, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. It just looks like he got more muscular. It doesn't look like he got tall or big or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. I think definitely the clothing would have been one. Uh, I have a friend who, in college, for a Halloween party, he came dressed as like a giant. And he just borrowed, like, because he was pretty skinny. So like he, but he's tall. He was a little bit taller than me. Mm-hmm. He borrowed like one of our friends, who's a girl, her clothes, uh-huh. and so like his jeans that look regular, they don't look like they're short jeans, but like they came up to like half, like just past his knee, <laughs> and he like wore like a small shirt, like his midriff was showing, and so it looked like just small clothes. And perspective wise, it, it makes him look like a big. It person. did make him look bigger. Yeah. Like, it, it actually works. Like, that's what you do. You put them on super tight, small clothes. <laughs> but we're going to probably talk a lot about the wig. I, I hope it gets better <laughs> as the series progresses. Yeah, because it's, it's rough. Uh, and it, make, it makes his head look like broccoli. It does. They uh, call him the Jolly Green Giant at, some, at one point. They do. And, yep, he looks more like the Jolly Green Giant than, um, than he does. Hulk, for sure. Yeah. And it's because of the wig and the eyebrows. And the weird smile he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's all I got on this movie. What do you what do you think? About the same. I mean, I think we've said all that we really can. Perfect. Let's move on to Keeper Cancel. We like to talk about the people in the show. And then we're going to decide if we're going to keep them or cancel them. Bill Bixby, star of this movie, Incredible Hulk. We're doing last week's movie. Last month's movie. <laughs> last month's movie. <laughs> Bill Bixby plays david banner not bruce banner david bruce banner david bruce banner because um, bruce sounded too gayish too gayish yeah that's what they said <laughs> um, <laughs> okay <laughs> can't have that around here nope <laughs> what was the name in the comic it's um Ew. it's not david it's something else Bruce Banner. Bruce. We said it at the beginning of this very fucking episode. Fuck. It's been so long. Yeah. It's been an hour. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's been a month, guys. Uh, We record, full disclosure, we recorded this at a completely different time. It's Bob. Is it Bob? Isn't it Bob Banner? He started calling him Bob Banner. So his name is Robert Bruce. Oh, yeah. Robert Bruce Banner. So his, his official name is Robert Bruce Banner. Because Stanley got confused and started calling him Bob Banner instead of Bruce Banner. So they retconned it. <laughs> yeah. Naturally. What's Marvel going to do? Retcon. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Bill Bixby, born 1934, died in 1993 at the young-ish age of 59. Damn. From prostate cancer. Shit. Listen, gentlemen. Get checked. Get checked. Um, if you're older than, than we are. Maybe we should get checked. Actually, how old should you start getting checked for that? I don't know. That? Is there even an age that you I think should there, start? I, yeah, I think there is a recommended age. Oh. It's probably, hopefully it's like 35 or 40. Let's look it up. It's probably like 30 or something. Anyway, you look, up the, look, pro- up, you look up the prostate cancer. He became a highly regarded character actor and guest starred in many television series, including Ben Casey, The Twilight Zone, Andy Griffith Show, 
Straight Away, and Hennessy. By 1963, he played a sailor in the movie Irma Laduce, a romantic comedy starring Jack Lemmon. Do you have an answer on the prostate? Yes. Um, it says, while the general guidelines recommend starting at age 55, oh, you may God. need PSA screening between the ages of 40 and 54 if you have at least one first-degree relative, such as your father and brother, who has had prostate cancer. I'm good. All right. I'll see you at 55, doctor. I feel like maybe start start at 50 to be safe. All right. <laughs> I'll make a note. Hey, Siri. <laughs> Remind me in in 20 fucking years. Uh, What do you want to be reminded of? Oh, God, stop. Prostate cancer. No. (laughs) Um, During the 1970s, he made a guest appearance on television series such as Ironside Insight, Barbary Coast, The Love Boat, Medical Center, four episodes of Love, American Style, Fantasy Island. I know the love boat because I've, they reference it in Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. I never saw Turbo. Oh, that's the only canon Power Rangers movie. That is true. <laughs> if <laughs> if you can finally prove to me that Power Rangers can somehow count, oh, I can prove it to you. We can do. Right we can now. watch Turbo, a Power Rangers movie because that came out in theaters. So did Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. I know, but that's not. Well, so did Power Rangers twenty seventeen. Yeah, no, which I know. is not getting a sequel. Okay. All right. Unfortunately. It's a, it's I don't know why I was happy about that. I'm very upset that it's not getting a sequel. <laughs> Same. So I've only heard of... Again, I was going to ask you, what have you heard of from this entire list I just fucking read? I've heard of Twilight Zone, Andy Griffith's show. I've seen some of those. Um, Love Boat, but I, I'm not familiar with it. And Fantasy Island, just because we talked about it when we talked about Wonder Woman. Yeah. So for me, it'll be Twilight Zone, Andy Griffith's show. Those I actually watched. Oh, yeah. Um, the love boat I've heard of again because it was referenced in a Power Rangers movie. It's like a throwaway line, <laughs> and Fantasy Island because we talked about it. Yeah, Andy Griffith is in my fraternity. Really? Sorta. Of, I think I'm pretty sure he's like an honorary member, so he just accepted it. Was he a... the one that whistled his theme song? Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't know he was the one that did it. Oh, actually, I don't know that. Oh, damn it. I thought the... Oh, God damn it. Stop. <laughs> All the AIs are going off. <laughs> uh, Bixby took the role of a young reporter, Tim O'Hara, in the 1963 CBS sitcom, My Favorite Martian. This all sounds like nonsense. My favorite Martian. <laughs> wow. It's 60s TV shows. Like, I don't fucking, I can't. After its cancellation, uh, Bixby started four movies, Ride Beyond Vengeance, Doctor, You've Got to Be Kidding. That's what it's called. And two of Elvis Presley's movies, Clambake and Speedway. The only Elvis Presley movie I've seen, I think, is Blue Hawaii. I think that's the only and one that's, most people have that's seen. That's it. <laughs> uh, in 1969, Bixby starred in this his second high-profile television show as Tom Corbett in The Courtship of Eddie's Father, a comedy drama on ABC. This is just nothing to me. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen any of this. Bixby was nominated for the Emmy Award for Lead Actor. For that, uh, following year, he won a Parents Without Partners Exemplary Service Award. What the fuck does that mean? Parents Without Partners Exemplary Service Award? What is that? I mean, what award is that? I don't know. He won it, but I don't know what it is. I mean, it's the 70s. It's probably like 
he was a single parent on TV, and that somehow you think that'd be bad back then? I don't know. Uh, Bixby made his directorial debut on a sitcom in 1970, directing eight episodes of that show that I just read, Courtship of Eddie's Father. Uh, ABC canceled the sitcom, though. By 1973, he starred in The Magician. The series was well-liked, but lasted only one season. An accomplished amateur magician himself, he hosted several TV specials in the mid-1970s, which featured other amateur magicians, and was a respected member of the Hollywood magic community. That's actually kind of cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> a little magician. Belonging to the Magic Castle, an executive club for magicians. Going forward, I'm going to keep an eye out for any sleight-of-hand tricks. <laughs> <laughs> that he might incorporate into Whoa. this uh, role. Like Paul Rudd does in Ant-Man. Yeah. Close-up magic. Close-up magic, baby. Uh, Bixby starred in the role of Dr. David Banner in the pilot movie. Yep, we, we know all that. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so apparently uh, he declined the role at first. Uh, Bixby, um, again, full disclosure, we re- recorded this like a month after the episode. So I don't remember if I've already said all of this before uh, <laughs> at, at the top of the show, but... Bixby directed one episode of the entire series, Bring Me the Head of the Hulk, in 1980. Huh. That's probably the last season. The series was canceled after the following season. Bixby later executive produced and reprised the role in three television movies. Uh, and this is what we've been talking about. The Incredible Hulk Returns, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, and The Death of the Incredible Hulk. Last two of which he also directed. And the first of which, uh, where he has been said to unofficially co-direct. Interesting. So when we're seeing him now in these Hulk things, it's still earlier in his career. He's not yet gotten into directing, but later in his career, he was directing a lot of movies and TV. Well, also, I've noticed, I don't know how common this is, but it's something I've noticed a lot that like on any, like usually like a long running show, like. Some of the starring actors will start like directing episodes of that show. I think it's like a very convenient and easy and low risk way to get their feet wet. Okay, you know because they're still the the same producers are there. They're still really the ones in charge, right? They're just taking certain kind of creative, it's almost like an on the job training type thing. Yeah, yeah, you know. But I I don't know. I I often wonder like what's the difference? Like how different is directing like TV versus directing a movie? Because in the movie, the director's really in charge of everything. Right. Producers are kind of behind the scenes, whereas on a TV show, the producers it's almost are the, the opposite. Yeah. That are kind of in charge of everything, and the directors are doing very technical. Because work. the show is like an ongoing thing; it's not like a one and done deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He produced, co-starred, and directed three episodes of Goodnight Bean Town. Directed several episodes of Wizards and Warriors. Why does that sound familiar? But I know I don't know what that is. I- so is it familiar or is it not familiar? <laughs> it's familiar, but I know that I've oh. never seen it. Uh, from 1983 to 84, he also had a documentary series for Nickelodeon entitled Against the Odds, uh, which was comprised of short biographies of famous people throughout history. Wow. Educational programming for children, basically. That's cool. It's kind of cool. I forget that Nickelodeon existed before I was alive. Yeah, they used to do uh, Nick News with Linda Ellerby. No, I saw Nick News with Linda. That was my time. That was my era. <laughs> it was right before you. Oh. And this made me look this up. Nickelodeon started in the 70s. It's been around for a while. Oh, yeah. In 1987, he directed eight episodes of the satirical police sitcom Sledgehammer. Nope. More stuff I've never heard yep, of. Nope. <laughs> um, but the thing is, if we said, oh, here's all the stuff that you might know Bill Bixby in, it'd be like, nothing. Let's move on. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> like, 
Like, uh, a lot of this seemed very important at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe we have some listeners that do know this stuff. Yeah, if, probably if you're a little bit older. But yeah. Bixby hosted two specials regarding Elvis conspiracy theories and his alleged sightings. The Elvis Files Holy in 19, shit. 1991 and the Elvis Conspiracy in 1992. I think the only thing that's interesting there, because, like, obviously it's, like, it's stuff that people will watch. Yeah. Um, even if it's complete garbage. But he worked with Elvis. He was in two Elvis movies. True. So. Hmm. You think he actually believes that Elvis was still alive? Or was I mean, he just. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. Doing it for a paycheck. I, I can't ask him. He's dead. Right. I think he's probably doing it for a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think most people don't believe that dead people are alive. Yeah. But it's like, what if he hid? For what, though? I don't know. Like, it's not one of those, like... Uh, it's like the Avril Lavigne thing. Yeah, like, what's the motivation? Like, what's the motive? I don't know. There isn't any. <laughs> <laughs> was Elvis in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> well, if he was, he didn't tell us about it. Are you going to see the Elvis movie? I actually really want to. Huh. I like Elvis. Do you like... Uh, what's his name? The director? Who's the director? He's the guy who did Moulin Rouge. Oh. Some Australian yeah. guy. His I like name Moulin is, Rouge. Uh, fuck, what's his I name? I thought it was an interesting movie, to say the least. <laughs> I forgot his name. Not Ewan McGregor's best work, but... (laughs) (laughs) Bixby made his last acting performance in 92, guest starring in the television movie, Diagnosis, Murder, Diagnosis of Murder. Is that really what it's called? Diagnosis, Murder, Diagnosis of Murder. (laughs) That's kind of funny. There's no way I copied and pasted that incorrectly. (laughs) I hope that's the name of it. Starring Dick Van Dyke. Okay, no, I think I just found the rare Wikipedia typo. Whoa. Oh, wait, no, 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 it's correct. Okay, so Diagnosis Murder from 1992 to 1993 uh, is a series of five television films that aired. The first one was called Diagnosis of Murder. So the show is called Diagnosis Murder, the episode was called Diagnosis Oh, so of it's murder. correct. So it is correct. It's, it's just, just weird. It's just fucking weird. All right. Okay. Got it. Uh, he finished his career by directing 30 episodes in seasons two and three of the NBC sitcom Blossom. Another show I've never seen. Nope. Me neither. 30 episodes. That's a lot, though. Yeah. Personal life. He was married to Brenda Bennett, the actress who was in uh, She was in one episode of, of this show, Incredible Hulk, as well as Wonder Woman. She was one episode of that. Oh. Um, they got divorced. Oh. And she unfortunately killed herself, I saw. Jesus. I know. It's one of those things where you go down a Wikipedia hole and you're like, oh, what happened to this person? Oh, suicide. Okay, cool. Let me That's go horrible. Back, back, back. Yeah. And anyway, uh, divorced and he ended up marrying, I think, Laura Michaels, who also worked for this show. She, they met on the set. Um, oh, okay. So he... I think they got divorced right as he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Oh, that's rough. Also rough. That's rough, buddy. Uh, and Ugh. then he dies, obviously. So that that just that sucks. None of that. Shit. None of that sounds fun. No, it sounds like his personal life wasn't super great. No. So uh, Bill Bixby, like I said, best known for this being the Hulk, being responsible for bringing the Hulk back um, mm-hmm. after their hiatus. Well, that that's kind of cool. That's super cool. Like, yeah. It's it's like if if they brought back right now Power Rangers 2017. <laughs> That's yes. how you would feel. Or community. <laughs> or community. Yeah, if community came back, that'd be the equivalent. If they actually yeah. ended up making the movie. Uh, there is a show kind of doing this right now. Well, it was a show. You remember the show Psych? 
Yeah, they came yeah. back. They came back with movies. Oh, and exactly. there's been yeah, three there movies so far. There you go. So they kind of did like the same thing here. Yeah, I think Star Trek did it too. Yeah, but Star Trek also has so many different shows. And- yeah, but originally Star Trek was done. Then they made a new series, and then they're like, well, "What if we took the old people and made movies now?" And then they were like, "All right, every other movie is going to be terrible." Yeah. <laughs> what was it like? Yeah, every yeah. even numbered it's every, movie. It's every odd. It, it, or every odd numbered movie only, was okay, terrible. It's every odd number movie is terrible because Wrath of Khan is good. Okay. Um, but that's it. Only works if you include. Ah, uh, fuck! What's that movie called? That's not a Star Trek movie. Oh, um, it's got um, Galaxy Quest. Yes, if you include That's Galaxy a good Quest, movie. exactly, then it all works out again. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, they get off step. It's a good movie that's very clearly a spoof on Star Trek. Exactly. Yeah. So, any anyway, back on track. <laughs> uh, Bill Bixby, keep. Uh, I really like him in this show. I think. It would not work without him. No, I I like him too. I'm also gonna keep. It seems like his personal life was a little tragic. I mean, I feel a little bad about that. Yeah, died at a young age. That's never good. Yeah, Um, but um, he uh, I like him in the show, and this show's pretty much the only thing I've ever seen him in. So, right. Oh, he seems likable to me. Cool. Good guy. Solid dude. So that's two keeps for Bill Bixby. We will see him again. Three more times. <laughs> Thank God. All right, Birdo, into the Phantom Zone. This movie, The Incredible Hulk, the pilot. Uh, no. No, there, there's enough to like here to where I think someone should at, le- at the very least check it out and see. You threw me for a loop on the no. I got confused. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not putting no, it into the Phantom no Zone. Phantom there zone. there okay. you go. Uh, yeah, like there's definitely something here to check out. If anything, to see all the pop culture references to this, because even just this pilot has quite a bit of it. Yeah, and it was a decent movie overall too. It just I didn't have a lot of bad things to say about it, which is a little rare for this podcast. You really didn't. Yeah, you're over. I mean, you've been over the moon for worse things. I that's, think that's true. <laughs> But, like, I didn't not like this, so. I think this is, it's good enough. Listen, I think it's, I think it's good. It It is a lot of exposition. It is a, a lot of time dedicated to creating logic for the Hulk that maybe isn't necessary by today's standards. <laughs> that being said, like, you do have to look at this through the lens of it's 1977, and there hasn't really been a lot of superhero stuff before, right? Yeah, before. at all, really. Yeah. yeah, so that in mind, you, you take this with a big grain of salt. You take it for what it is. I think it's pretty good. I think it's got a lot of heart in it. I think it's very well thought out and well written. Some of the performances were fun. Uh, and it's, again, in a time before CGI and on the budget, it's still fun to see them do th- effects that make you go, oh, wow, how did they do that? <laughs> you know, and it's not oftentimes that. It's not off times that you see that but i'm always i was pleasantly surprised with that level of tv movie ingenuity right and prop master yeah. stuff i follow a prop master on um tiktok okay i'll link him below he's really really cool and he just shares all kinds of stuff like that like you know how like, like older stuff too yeah like a lot of the tricks are old as dirt you know yeah like they make uh like ice cubes out of silicone so that it doesn't make noise and it doesn't melt in glasses. Hmm. Uh, I think he was talking about um, Moon Knight. 
And he was like, oh, yeah, like, this is fake glass. He showed us fake glass so that they can, you know, it breaks. And it's basically like rubber. It's silicone. It so it looks you. real. But, yeah, you can walk on it all you want. It's not going to cut you. And more importantly, it's not going to make noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they add the noise in post. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, it messes everything up. Yeah. They use, uh, like, Foley artists and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we didn't even mention that. This had a lot of great, I thought, Foley sound effects. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about it. But I guess if you're not noticing it, that means they're doing their job that's, well. Right. That's yeah. good. Exactly. Because he's not, again, all, that's not real steel that he's bending and breaking. No. It's probably some sort of cardboard paper mache, really good rubber. But you they know. made it look and sound like steel. Yeah, yeah. and that's what's important. So I'm going to keep this because I think it should be watched maybe, if anything, just once per person. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, repeat viewings, maybe not. But, I mean, definitely at yeah. least once. You said you would watch a couple episodes, do you think? I think I would, yeah, because I'm interested in this. I'm, You know, I'm interested in seeing what the week-to-week looks like. Yeah. Because this is the setup. And it's weird that, like, we're not requiring ourselves to, like, really get in the meat of it. We're mm-hmm. just doing the setup. And then we're coming back five years later, for like seven the epilogue, years later for basically. like the very, yeah, exactly for the epilogue and we're not getting the meat. So like maybe we should, I don't know, watch a couple episodes. Maybe. I'm not going to sit and watch the whole fucking series. That's ridiculous. If I like it, <laughs> maybe, but yeah, we'll see. We're going to run into you like next week and be like, Hey, what have you been watching? I'm on season three of the incredible Hulk <laughs> from the seventies. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1979. That's where I am. <laughs> so Birdo, what movie are we watching next week? Um, The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Death in the Family. It's called the second one. So, yeah, so it's the next episode, and it was also yeah. a movie. It, it's like the second pilot. It's called Death in the Family. Death in the Family. And I think that's going to be also what kind of what we were saying, where it's more of a... Episodic. An episodic thing where, like, he meets a new cast of characters, does a thing, and then leaves and goes and meets another. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That one is available on Amazon. You can buy it for... One ninety nine, but you can also buy it on Apple for ninety nine for cents. half the price. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, up to you what you'd prefer to watch it on. Sure, <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> it's gonna be ninety nine cents on Apple for me. Uh, other than that, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thanks to that piano dude for our musical intro. Uh, make sure you guys leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please tell a friend. And if you've told a friend, thank you for telling a friend. You can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone. You can find us and argue with us on Twitter at Films from PZ. Uh, we are at TikTok at Films from PZ. All these episodes are available on YouTube if that's how you prefer to get your podcasts. Do that. Chrome browser. <laughs> we are criminally behind on YouTube, but I am making videos now to post on them soon. Criminally behind. <laughs> I think the last one I posted was Catwoman. <laughs> oh, that was a while ago. Yeah, I apologize. I'll, I will, I'm going to get on top of that if you are a YouTube viewer. <laughs> um, Which we do have some. I know. We have, <laughs> I know of at least one. God damn it. Personally? <laughs> yes. <laughs> damn it. So do you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we record all these episodes live on Twitch. So if you like the show and want to be a part of it, want to talk to us, like there usually is people here talking to us. Uh, it's been a quiet night, hasn't it? Yeah, it let us kind of speed through things, though, which I know you're tired, so that worked out. You seem tired, too. I am, and I don't know why. It just hit me, like, in the middle of recording. Yeah. Like, I was I was all hyped when we were doing the first recording. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, my steam's gone. Um, 
so yeah you can do that you can hang out with us you can talk to us you can fact check and be a part of the show so we record on tuesday evenings at 8 p.m eastern time new schedule change i'm sorry but that's i don't know that's how we're doing it for now we might switch back uh in the future yeah maybe when you're done with school yeah yeah that's twitch.tv slash films from pz you can support the show on patreon and if you want more episodes we have a second podcast called where's mephisto where we watch streaming television and look for the ultimate puppet master mephisto are you looking for him yeah oh no i thought i heard <laughs> kai on the for some reason. <laughs> I just see Birdo looking on the floor and I'm like, are you doing a bit? Are you looking for Mephisto? <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> I'm like, nobody can see you. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you support us on any tier on Patreon, you get that episode. There's also bonus other stuff. There's one outtake episode. There will be multiple outtake episodes from this very show. Things that we cut out because they're just they didn't fit in the regular episode they were inappropriate for some reason or another <laughs> i just throw them on their own episode it's like a what's that called in tv where they do a they do like a recap episode a bottle up no 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 i think it's a clip a show they do a clip show. oh it's a clip show clip yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. a bottle episode is when you're stuck in one location correct yeah yeah but it, that's still a narrative yeah uh, yeah so it's like a clip show with all just a random shit that we cut out if you're into that kind of thing, that is also on our Patreon, along with every episode of Where's Mephisto, where we covered Moon Knight, Peacemaker, and now we are doing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because, guys, when you look for Mephisto, there's no place too high, too low, too unconceivably impossible for he, Mephisto to hide. He can be anywhere. He's beyond that. And also, Mustafar was in Marvel. It was. It That's was. right. It was in it, What If. Yup. So there you go. Right when... And potentially uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, right when they crossed those borders into that universe, so could have Mephisto. Yeah, maybe so, there you go. I got think, punched into God, a star portal. Yeah, you really just blew that open for me now. Like, that is a legitimate argument. There is a connection to Marvel. Oh, my through, God. Yep. I never yep, thought about yep, that. Yep. That's Yep, that's how we're doing that from now on <laughs> uh, also if you, if you want to hang out with us you can do that on our discord server it's free to join uh and that is linked below other than that guys we will see you next week with the next incredible hulk called death in the family also known as episode two ish sometimes episode one and two of yeah it's depending read on the description yeah make sure you're watching the right episode yeah take care and goodbye bye